0: Hello and welcome to The Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about in football. I mean, the guy with me, as always, is the transfer guru, as he's often referred to uh, in other media outlets, funnily enough, talking in castles, and we are here to bring you um, updates and exclusive news on Haaland, on Kane, on Mbappe, on Messi, all of the biggest names that are going around in terms of transfers today, and of course, for the last few weeks. Duncan, let's talk about Erling Haaland to begin with, a player who we widely reported um, as being the subject of Chelsea's interest in this particular window, and also a player who now, uh, of course, uh, appears to be staying in Borussia Dortmund for the coming season until his uh, buyout clause of seventy-five million euros kicks in. Um, in June 30th next year. And, of course, it is the case that Chelsea had agreed uh, terms with Haaland and his agent, Minerai um with regards to transfer in this window. However, um, Chelsea uh, realised in the last two weeks that that was not going to be negotiable and therefore turned our attention to rumble Lukaku. Let's stick with Haaland for the moment, though, because it's a very interesting situation, isn't it, with regards to, um, well, it kind of comes into the um, frame of Kylian Mbappé and Real Madrid and Erling Haaland with regards to what happens
1: next. Chelsea tried to sign the player, as we've reported all along. They were trying to take advantage of the they being the club that had the money to try and put together a transfer fee that Dortmund would accept um, and convince Haaland to come to Chelsea who who would not have been his first choice ahead of the window. Um, They ran up against a brick wall in Dortmund but I think more importantly they ran up against a preference that Haaland has to join Real Madrid. Um, Information I've gathered in the past few days is that Madrid have been working on that deal simultaneous with um, the you know, very public pursuit of Killing Mbappe, which they would like to do in this transfer window. And, and they're waiting to see how Messi's move to Paris Saint-Germain shifts that situation, which we'll talk about more later. But if they can't do it in this window, want to bring Mbappe next summer. What I've been told is that Florentino Perez's plan is not just Mbappe, uh, it is Mbappe and Haaland pair the two in his attack in a new Real Madrid-Galactico forward line and he has been operating the last transfer window and this transfer window with that in mind. That's part of the reason why Sergio Ramos was allowed to leave um, under freedom of contract, go to Paris Saint-Germain, why they wouldn't Accept his wage demands. It's part of the reason why Rafael varan was allowed to leave, uh, sold to Manchester United um, after they refused to accept Varane's wage demands. Perez is trying to make room on the wage bill um, to recruit both of these players. Haaland has been a willing party in that process. Information I have is he's told Real Madrid that he wants to come there and that that is the, the, the standing plan. Um, waiting for Madrid to put together the money. Obviously, the deal becomes cheaper because of that release clause. Um, some of the people I'm talking to suspect that there is already a deal in place with Dortmund, which would explain um, why Dortmund have been so adamant that Holland was not for sale in the last few weeks of the market. Um, obviously, they make a profit on him regardless. They bought him with full expectation that this would be a staging post, um, that he would move to a bigger club after they'd had time to to use him in their team. They still get the profit. They get to keep him in their squad for the coming season. He is happy with that arrangement. Um, he's prepared to stay there, play one more year, and wait for that preferred move to Real Madrid. Um, it's uh, quite a frightening and interesting prospect, the idea of Mbappe and Haaland together. Um, Paris Saint-Germain don't want that to happen. We saw today Nasser al-Khalifi talking about Kylian Mbappe, being asked about Kylian Mbappe in Leo Lionel Messi's presentation press conference. Um, And saying, everyone knows the future of Kylian. He's a competitive player. He wants to win. He wants to win trophies. He wants a competitive team. We have the most competitive team in the world. He cannot do anything but stay. That comes just a few days after Mbappe himself was asked about Paris Saint-Germain. And uh, and wasn't quite so excited and adamant about uh, the quality of a team which, remember, should have won the French League last season but lost it to Leo. I think that's kind of been forgotten in all this um, fanfare over Messi joining. What uh, uh, a friend of mine who's involved in recruitment has described as the Power Rangers team uh, that Leonardo <laughs> is trying to put together the Power Rangers team uh, by by putting- uh,
0: Surely the, it's, sure it's the Power Celtics team. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I should have expected you to say that, Ian. Mbappé talking about Paris Saint-Germain said, I cannot say what needs to be done. I'm just a player, but I think people have seen, everyone has seen. When everyone sees, it's easier to draw conclusions, but there is no problem. We lost the title, but now we have to concentrate on the future. So he's talking there about the surgery that needs to be done on the squad. Something we've discussed On this podcast, not happy with the recruitment of certain players, not convinced by Leonardo, who was um, warmly praised by Nasser Al-Khalifi, the president of Paris Saint-Germain, for getting Messi to PSG today. Mm -hmm. Um, My guidance on what Mbappe's view of the situation is, is he too is waiting to see. He's waiting to see what Paris's response is, whether it helps him. To leave this summer or whether he has to st- see out that final year of the contract spends a year playing in the Power Rangers team and then moves to Madrid under freedom of contract to form part of Florentino Perez's version of uh, of the Power Rangers next season
0: every time you say that that phrase it, it just you know sorry <laughs> it irks me <laughs> So anyway, apart from that, um, Duncan, it seems to me uh, that PSG, uh, against what um, Barcelona have said in a very public appeal uh, to the European courts and to UEFA with regards to their FFP obligations regarding spending as a percentage um, of their income with regards to recruiting Messi that uh, they have recruited well this summer in terms of free transfers. Messi is the fourth stellar player who has joined on freedom of contract, which you would have to say is pretty good um, in terms of tactical um, employing players who, on freedom of contract with regards to uh, only having to pay salaries and not transfer fees, which, of course, they they have had to do in the past, and Messi clearly being the biggest star in all of that. Um, Yes, they lost the title, which was a surprise, and also one uh, which clearly they need to um, address in terms of circumstances and retain, but... um, at the same time, the ultimate goal, obviously, with Qatar uh, hosting the World Cup in almost oh, 15, 16 months' time, they are recruiting arguably the best player in the world uh, in order to promote the nation state and their trophy uh, club with the, uh, in terms of them being. Uh, a very competitive and indeed credible competitor with regards to uh Champions League this season and also going forward uh given that Messi has a 2 year contract as
1: well ian you've just got to look at what nasser al khalifi said in that press conference about their aims and I, and i think it should run a chill down the, the neck of anyone who's interested in, in competitive balance in football. He, he said, I think that our goal, everybody knows, we want to win all of the trophies, all of the games. It never changed. Now with Leo, we are close to winning, but we want to win more. I think now we need to work and to win each game to win the trophy we really need to have discipline to win every game. He's talking about not just winning the Champions League. He wants a clean sweep of victories in domestic league and European football. Repeatedly saying we have the, the, the best, most competitive team in the world now. He believes that he's achieved that. Um, sliding in later that uh, that um, it's going to be good for Ligon and uh uh, and, I, and I think there, there's been a compliance with this there are people working in French football saying what happened to the NCG, which is the body which um, controls the budgets of, of French football clubs in, the, in a similar way, not quite as uh, authoritarian, but similar to the way La Liga has been doing with Spanish clubs. Why aren't they engaging in this process? but the french government seems to be happy with it obviously the uh, the broadcast partners are happy and it brings money into the league and and Nasser saying i think everybody knows we're not only working for our club but also for league Un. which it, i mean it's incredible you have a a man talking about winning every game dominating the domestic and dominating european football uh, on one hand and a few minutes later saying he's working for the benefit of the league in bringing the best player or one of the two best players in the world to the club um, on top of having signed Gianluigi Donnarumma on a huge contract. Um, Gianni, Gini Wijnaldum, who Liverpool, well certainly Jurgen Klopp wanted to retain, who Barcelona ironically had a deal in place with but they weren't able to execute it because of those La Liga rules. Sergio Ramos, who Florentino Perez was happy to lose out, um, and uh, and Ashraf Hakimi one of one of Inter's best players and and Inter are are now selling Romelu Lukaku to raise more cash them, themselves but it, it's it's a, a situation where Nasser believes he's bought effectively a team to win the Champions League which has been the long term goal of Qatar one thing that's really interesting is to see whether it is actually good enough um to win because they've they've basically added another player in Messi to Neymar who doesn't like to do a great deal of running and likes to let other people do the work around him to allow his brilliance to shine Sergio Ramos maybe doesn't like to do as much running as he wanted to do in the past there there is a balance element which will be fascinating fascinating to watch whether just adding these super talented players in all areas of the team is enough to dominate European football. but certainly from a from a financial perspective, that's what they've done. They've dominated the competition and they're picking off the best available free agents and uh, and bringing them to one of the very few clubs that have a proper budget to work with at present.
0: Transfer window listeners will be happy to hear that we have indeed dispatched um, Murcio Pochettino some very um, strenuous foundation garments, underwear uh, as he approaches this season because he may well need them if it doesn't succeed uh, (laughs) at at Paris (laughs) Saint-Germain. Given the uh, assets that have been made available to him, it is certainly a very very um frightening lineup with regards to not just attacking but defensive talent as well um and in many ways duncan um this psg uh, reminds me of uh the milan side of the 90s um certainly and also the madrid galactical process of florentino perez in uh 2000 onwards with regards to its recruitment process now haland and mbappe at madrid is as we said uh, you know uh, an absolutely uh, incredible um potentially uh the best sort of forward lineup that you could see uh however uh we do have as i guess a, a, a competitive um, or at least certainly want to be competitive uh, issue as well at Manchester City, where, of course, Harry Kane um, is still much uh, the wanted player. Uh, it is our information that uh, negotiations with Tottenham are ongoing with regards to trying to find an agreeable price for Kane. Um, Daniel Levy is continuing to hold out for at least a fee in excess of £120 million. Um, having seen Jack Grealish uh, go to City for £100 million, he believes that Kane should certainly be marked up on that with regards to the fact that he is, of course, more experienced and has proven himself at uh, elite level. That will be a- an interesting one. Uh It also is the case that, and we have uh, learned, that Tammy Abraham, uh, the Chelsea striker, has been the subject of interest from Tottenham, um, who are clearly, uh, and under Nuno Espirito Santos, looking to uh, options if Kane is sold. And it is also the case that, that seems to be inevitable before the transfer window closes that Kane will become a Manchester City player. And Tammy Abraham is one of those who um, no is looking to um, recruit, to replace Kane. Uh, Duncan is a player who, re- um, I guess, doesn't replicate Kane in terms of um, experience, but certainly in terms of potential and talent, physicality, Uh, ability to score on both feet and the head as well. Uh, It's the case that Chelsea are looking uh, to um, dispose of that player with Lukaku coming in obviously as the number nine, someone who Thomas Tuchel has not necessarily taken to and who has not um, impressed with regards to uh, some of his attributes, uh, both in training and in games. Uh, a loan deal for one year with an obligation to buy for around £35 million would seem to be a fair return for Chelsea with, with regard to a player who, again, you know, as we have said, is not necessarily um, part of their planning going forward. Uh, Do you think that's going to be a fair price stroke swap in terms of uh, what Chelsea do? Because I think any Chelsea player who goes to Spurs is is going to be uh, a subject of contention with regards to the fans, as well as uh, the player himself having to put up with that tag of being the sort of Judas-type Uh, character um, that has been portrayed in the past, given the relationship between the clubs. Look,
1: Tammy Abraham is no Judas in this process. This is Chelsea deciding um, that Abraham isn't good enough for them, for their ambition to win the Premier League back and to retain their Champions League title, Um, placing the player on the market and going out, trying to get Erling Haaland, the, the, arguably the top centre forward available or apparently available um, for sale. As it turned out, not available this summer when they realised they weren't going to get the player going to arguably the second um, best option in that position, Romelu Lukaku, who was available, who Inter would sell, um, who Inter effectively pushed out the door. Lukaku was happy to stay in Italy. Uh, initially and making it clear that you wanted to continue in Italy and then uh, given the financial situation and um, huge problems with Inter's owners, including the, the the principal owner being removed as chairman of, of Suning, um, the company that, that provided the money for that Inter takeover uh, during a, a state-backed um, bailout in China, um, deciding to take 150 million euros transfer fee for the player Chelsea giving him $12 million of net salary. Interesting process, actually, in that um, the, I understand Lukaku's representatives sold Lukaku to Chelsea as a, as a no-risk investment. Um, someone who scored 251 goals in 508 club appearances. Uh, in, intriguingly, his worst return was when he was a former Chelsea player. But someone who would come in, score goals, do what they needed to be done, and not have the complexities of, of uh, hiring a Amino Raiola player. Um, Abrahams on the market, doesn't surprise me that Tottenham are looking at him, Arsenal also looking as a, an option if they can make space in their squad for a striker, which involves essentially selling Alexandra Lacazette, who they've been trying to push out um, for some time now. Uh it's interesting when you look at what Nuno has been saying about his forward options. Um, he's been very careful in his words about Harry Kane. Um, he's got He's inherited a difficult situation to deal with. He has to be the spokesman for the club as Kane doesn't turn up for training and then is quarantined and not actually involved in, in serious training. But talking about his forward options um, the other day, He said he didn't have any centre forwards um, in the team he was playing with, which had um, Son Young main playing up front. So he doesn't consider Son to be a pure striker, which would mean even if you retain Kane, you would want to have another number nine there. So I see why they're looking at Abraham. They have competition from Roma. Um, Josie Mourinho would like to bring Tammy Abraham to the club. I can tell you that he has talked to Abraham directly. And my guidance is that Abraham's response was he he is interested in Roma's proposal, but would like some more time to think about it. Um, the problem for Roma is that they want to do that deal as a loan with an option to buy. They don't want to commit to the kind of transfer fee that, that Chelsea are looking for. As you said, £35 million, around €40 million. Euros. There may be a scenario where Roma would buy for a lower transfer fee, but Chelsea would include a buyback option in that deal, giving them the ability to take Abraham, if he performs at a high level in Italy, back for a set price and then perhaps sell to another club at a profit um, or bring them back for their team if they... If Maybe if they've changed coach or they changed their own uh, opinion on the player by that stage. Roma, as we've said all summer long, have problems with finance for this market. Mourinho wants to do a lot. He wants to make a lot of significant changes. realises the squad needs a big upgrade. But so far there has not been substantial funds available um, for a deal, which would mean, I think... Um, if Kane leaves, as, as you expect him to leave, and he is first choice for Tottenham, and I think it's a different story if they, if they secure um, a big transfer fee for Kane, then they would have the advantage over Roma and Arsenal in terms of being able to put down the money that Chelsea want as a guaranteed fee for the player.
0: So going back to Spain, Duncan, two interesting factors have emerged in the last 24-40 hours. Um, We did, of course, on the Transfer Window podcast report one week ago, and I repeat, one week ago, that Leo Messi joined Paris Saint-Germain on a two-year contract. However, it's now the case that La Liga is in dispute with its two biggest clubs and partners in um, Barcelona and Real Madrid with regards to a sellout uh, of 10% of their broadcast rights for the next 50, 5, 0, 50 years to um, a private investment company, which both of the Spanish giants uh, are in uh, certainly um, disagreement with with regards to the terms of that, despite a potential £2.7 inward investment, which would trickle down to all the clubs uh, in the top two divisions in Spain. Um, That being the case, uh, it's also uh, that Leo Messi's move to Paris Saint-Germain has made those television rights suddenly plummet in terms of their value, Uh, I think it was interesting, Duncan, that uh, Nasser al-Khalifi, the president of PSG, um, made a point uh, which was Manchester United-esque in its um, poignancy, that they had gained 1.3 million Instagram followers in the three days since Messi uh, has, well... Been rumored to join and then has joined, um, as if again the commercial value of the player um, becomes an aspect of why they signed him, uh, which you know is fair enough uh, in in one sense. But as a nation state-owned club, they don't rely on Instagram followers to um, finance their player salaries or indeed their transfers. So, where does that leave? I mean, we've already spoken in the pod today about uh, the idea that Mbappe and Haaland could link up in a ridiculous forward line for Madrid. I mean, I don't actually remember the last time Madrid played in a 4-4-2 or even with two strikers. <laughs> so it does seem slightly odd, uh, as indeed Barcelona now have one big massive hole in their um, forward thinking with regards to Messi's departure and the idea that Griezmann will become the central and focal point of their striking um One thing I'd like to ask you, Duncan, because you led this story and uh, many people said, oh, that's not going to happen or it's not um, credible or possible about Manchester United's pursuit of Ansu Fati, where in fact, uh, the idea that Fati himself would actually be available for transfer because of Barcelona's current financial uh, circumstances regarding their debts and uh, the interest payments that they owe on debts as well. So it could be that, okay, Pedri may be untouchable, but Fatty may not be.
1: Well, that was part of the approach that Manchester United made a year ago. Um, they knew Barcelona's financial situation and the proposal was we take one of your young talents for a very substantial fee in order to help you sort that out. Bartomeu refused to do it. He's on record talking about um, the offer they had for Ansu Fati and the, the fact that he was un, unsellable at the time. Um, the argument coming from Barcelona is they allowed Messi to leave to look after the future of the club. Uh, his contract which remember in total that four-year contract was worth 555 million euros the the one Bartomeu agreed with Messi and some of it still has to be paid as a as a loyalty clause um, still owed to Messi because he saw four years of the contract. Um, shift that money away and allow the club to retain players who can, who they see as the future, such as Pedri, obviously Ansu Fatih is, um, one of the, the significant members amongst them. If a proposal came in, it would be, it would be an interesting time for that question to be placed. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ansu is being offered to clubs, um, in order the question be placed to Barcelona, you still have money to shave off your wage bill. You're in an almighty fight with La Liga. Um, I think it's important what you've mentioned about the, the CVC deal because that that fight has intensified um, over the, the past few days. You have Madrid stating on their website that they'll take le- legal action against La Liga over the CVC deal because they feel that their television rights have been sold without their permission. You have a former, now former director of Barcelona, Jaume Yopis, resigning his position. Uh, he said in order that he would have freedom to talk about what happened with Messi um, and, and stating that um, they didn't do everything that could have been done to keep Messi at the club and pointing out that the day Messi's departure was announced um, Florentino Perez, Andrea Agnelli, um, the lead figure at Juventus and Laporta were um, dining together uh, to discuss presumably the Super League um, and La Liga deals and obviously this all ties into Barcelona's decision to sell Messi allowed it, allowing them not to take the CVC money. You have Javier Tabas again saying publicly that he had approved a deal um, to retain Messi on the basis that the CVC money would be used to, to fund that and that Laporta then decided not to go down that route. Um, you have, as you say, La Liga losing its principal talent Uh, PSG talking about how good that will be for the broadcast deals in France to move them over there Um, and you have the two biggest clubs in Spain in direct and open warfare with the league and with the president of the league Um, it is one huge mess that's been created um, around Lionel Messi but going further back around the Super League um, around the plans that Laporta and Perez had to fund their teams off the back of different new money coming into the game um, where they controlled the sale of the television rights and they took a bigger chunk and they could then direct that into acquisitions like Mbappe and, uh, and Haaland.
0: Well, certainly the case, I think, Duncan, for all of our listeners and our community here at the Transfer Window podcast will be saying, how on God's earth can you dispute a 2.7 billion investment um, when you're a football club in this current financial environment and your share of it being... A very, very generous one, given the uh, debts you have and the fact that you need to um, uh, furnish those debts with regards to interest payments, etc. It just seems a bit outrageous that you know, you'd know you be turning that down, but there's obviously a reason for that. And the reason is, of course, that um, amortisation of a 50-year contract is probably undervaluing what Barcelona and Madrid can do um, if the collective agreement of La Liga
1: breaks down. No question it's undervaluing what Barcelona and Madrid could do. And that's one of the reasons why they turned it down. It also has to be noted that only 15% of the money that would have come to each of those clubs from the CVC deal would have been allowed to be spent on directly on players so it wasn't actually enough to do a great deal of it wasn't enough to do what perez wants to do with um mbappe and haaland for example so uh, apart from the decision to sell the rights being taken away from the clubs themselves yes i think they feel it seriously undervalues what they could do and obviously when they're trying to push for a super league they don't want to be uh, bringing another partner and, and legal contracts no, into exactly, play. That's
0: exactly correct. Yeah, absolutely, Duncan. There's no way that the complication of having a deal in place, which allows other clubs, in this case La Liga, uh, and well, two leagues in La Liga, to have a say in um, what Madrid and Barcelona can do, is a handicap with regards to future negotiations uh, in terms of broadcasting rights and commercial activity. Uh, And from people I've spoken to as well uh, who are involved in football investment, they have intimated to me that CVC are actively involved in individual negotiations with both of Barcelona and Real Madrid um, on the basis that Uh, the deal with La Liga that they had originally negotiated um, is not going to go through and that indeed they will be able to benefit much more from the uh, selling of rights uh, to those two clubs in the future so that effectively um, what we're looking at here is a loan against a loan so you've got CVC buying the rights, but then they can amortise that to a different investor and say, well, look, this is a, you yeah, know, it's, it's basically printing money um, effectively in the future in terms of the broadcasting rights for these two clubs because they will become independent in terms of their broadcasting rights and they will do pay-per-view per game uh, for each uh and they will be able to sell their rights independently. Therefore, um, the 2.7 billion being offered is not going to equal what is actually the value of the rights to each club, uh, which, again, is going to make things like retaining Leo Messi in the future, or in this case, it might be Pedri, a uh, uh, sort of a given basically because they will, will be able to do that based simply on the assets that they already retain. So, from uh, La Liga and from the transfer, um, medical round that has been, uh, certainly uh, very, very entertaining as well as uh, astounding that Leo Messi, after 21 years, has left Barcelona. Um, Crystal Palace, Duncan. We love Crystal Palace because they are a club <laughs> who continues to surprise us with regards to their ability to change um, parts of their ownership. And you have information with regards to a new investment into the um, Seller Park Club uh, and what that might mean in terms of the club going forward
1: yeah they have a proposal which has been accepted um, by the current owners so Steve Parrish and two Americans David Blitzer and Josh Harris um, to sell 38% of the shares of the club for 83 million pounds so total valuation of the club at 220 million and these will go to John Texter, US businessman um, who will not actually retain all of those shares. It's an, it's an interesting deal. My understanding is he buys 38% and then immediately dilutes his shareholding to 25% with the current owners buying back a percentage of the shares. So you're establishing an evaluation for the club and you're splitting the ownership between four individuals. Texter's had this deal in place for some time it was, I understand, put on hold because he was simultaneously trying to buy into Benfica. Um, made an approach to buy the shares uh, again, twenty five percent of the the shareholding of Benfica um, from their major shareholder um, Jose dos Santos, um, who we talked about in some detail in the recent podcast with Sergio Cruchinous, who um, was subsequently uh, arrested. Along with um, the the president of Benfica, uh, president Benfica being forced to step down, um, that deal. He, well, Sergio was arrested. <laughs> Not that I've heard of. No, oh, he's an assistant director of the Portuguese CIA, so he couldn't really oh, be that's arrested. It is. Okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, but <laughs> this the, the mess around the Benfica deal was such that post Vieira leaving the club, Benfica's board refused to approve texter's purchase of the 25 percent of the shares um that transaction was being investigated i'm told by the premier league who had suspended the purchase of uh, approval on the purchase of crystal palace shares until they had uh, looked into it in detail i'm told that texter has now been interviewed by the premier league about the deal and the expectation is that it should go through. The money Texter has promised to the club, um, for the shares. I'm told has been used to fund some of Palace's summer transfers, and I think it's not a coincidence here that amongst the deals they've done is include has included the the signing of an American midfielder, Jacob Montes, um, from Georgetown University. You don't see many players. L- being transferred from Georgetown University to Premier League clubs and then subsequently being loaned to a Belgian club, Wasland Beveren for the season.
0: You'll all be glad to know that we here at the Transfer Window Podcast have advised that Texter change his second name to TikTok or indeed Snapchat. <laughs> in order to update his status uh, in social media, Um, and therefore, of course, increases credibility with regards to going forward in the medium of the social. Um, Apart from that, (laughs) we are going to uh, go, because, of course, this is the first transfer window podcast of the week to hear on Villain. And, uh, Duncan, unusually, I am going to go first, And I'm going to propose the villain, and the villain, of course, is going to be someone who is incredibly unpopular as a villain. And that's because I'm proposing Leo Messi as a villain. I know Messi is certainly, and and indeed in my own point of view, um, being one of my heroes and also um, someone who I've admired for a long, long time. But uh, his halo has slipped just a little. Uh, in terms uh, of the way in which this has unfolded and perhaps we need to apply a little bit of perspective with regards to um, the reasons behind his move because let's face it, uh, he could have said that Barcelona if he'd wanted to um, in terms of agreeing a deal one which Barcelona did actually offer uh, in terms of deferring payments to him regarding his co- a new contract uh, when they would be better able to um, justify stroke pay those payments under the uh, financial fair play deal uh, oh, sorry rules that um, La Liga and UEFA uh, concur with. So um, he, Villain leo Messi you may disagree but this is the transfer in the podcast so please tell us what you think duncan hero of the week
1: hero um i'm going to go for a friend of of uh, Lionel messi's danny alves um who at the age of 38 added yet another significant we love him. trophy we do love him we love danny alves by uh, leading brazil to olympic gold and uh, remains the uh, the uh, active player with the most trophies to his name something that uh, Messi mentioned in one of his his recent press conferences and mentioned it as being wow. his aim to surpass Danny in trophy count. And uh, well, he's certainly given them a good himself a good chance by uh, by moving to PSG.
0: And the great night out in Osaka with Danny Alves
1: at the World Cup in two thousand and
0: two. So he'd be my hero just for that alone. <laughs> And Ronaldinho was there as well. So, you know, you can't beat that. Uh, That's another story. One perhaps that we will tell on the Transfer Window podcast in the future. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed uh, today's pod. Uh, Obviously, uh, please engage us with your thoughts on at Transfer Podcast on the platforms that you're used to, which is, of course, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Apart from that, at uh, Duncan's at Duncan Castles on Twitter. I'm at Garbo SJ. Uh, please access the pod if you wish on uh, YouTube. Again at Transfer Podcast. We'll be back with more news and uh, exclusive uh, information that you don't get anywhere else, as you well know, because you hear hear first and then you read it secondary a couple of days later on uh, the other media platforms. So uh, until then, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.